Welcome to the Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast, where business leaders tell their stories and share their insights. All our guests have a personal connection with Nottingham Business School, so listen, learn, enjoy and share. Inspirational Eileen Richards has dedicated more than two decades to helping empower women in business. In 2018, she was awarded an MBE for her promotion of female entrepreneurship. And as a businesswoman who always leads from the front, she is also president of East Midlands Chamber. Her people and leadership skills are legendary, which is one of the reasons why we are delighted to welcome to the Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast, Eileen Richards, MBE. Hello. Good evening. Thank you for having me. So... You've built your own very successful recruitment business, but you actually started in the industry in your 20s when a recruitment consultant advising you suggested that you would be good at her job. So how did all that come about? I went straight into a, to a job straight from school, worked there for seven years, started as an office junior and ended up in a, in a, in a senior a senior position there. They were moving to Bristol. I didn't want to leave Leicester, so I didn't actually know what to do didn't know what a recruitment company actually did at that time. So walked into this recruitment agency and just said, I'd quite like to tempt as many businesses as possible. I know it's got to involve people. That's really important to me. But actually, I just don't know what that looks like now. So I did a couple of a couple of temp roles and um, got to know the, the team going in with you, you know, your timesheet each week. And, and that's when she said, we think you'd be really good at, at doing recruitment. And I was like, what's What's that? What does that entail? But that's how it all started. I stayed at that company for a while and I was headhunted to go to go somewhere else. And within sort of two years, 28 years old, I'd, I'd gone into a management role. And then at 30, they asked me to, to, to become the managing director for the, for the south of the UK. You stayed with them a while and then you, then you went out on your own? Yeah, stayed with them and, and grew a, a great, you know, a great team. And loved it. We had offices in Leicester, Birmingham and Crawley. Really, really successful. But it was sort of personal, a personal situation that made me think, right, OK, you know, what, what, what is it that I want to do? What is it that I'm good at? You know, that we all do that sometimes in lives. I tend to give that advice to others and did it for myself for the first time. Took your own advice. Yeah, took my own advice and decided to, to set up PR recruitment. I've got to ask you this. If you hadn't been successful in business, and obviously you have been very successful, do you think you would have been a, a leader anyway? Yeah, I've thought about this many, many a time, and it's, it's a discussion that kind of comes up regularly, isn't it? And I think people are born to be natural leaders, but I also think that confidence and success, and that's how it's been for me, you know, you look back and think, that worked well. Actually, I made that happen, and that result was, was, was of an idea that I've had but always with a great a great team. So I think I'm the sort of person that likes an action to, to everything that we do. So I think, yes, the answer is yes, I probably would. So, so go on, what do, you, what do you love most about the leadership? Particular highs, come on, give me some big highs you've had. The big, big highs is the people, watching the, the development of my own team. And I guess because of the nature of the role that, that we do in recruitment, it's watching people you know, develop, grow, and, and aiding them to, to do that. And it's also... Just that making a difference as well, you know, be, being involved in something and watching it from absolutely nothing becoming something yeah. really, really incredible. But again, watching those people grow with you at, at the same time. I've had a couple of occasions where I've ended up working for people I've taken on as trainees. You ever had that before? 
I've seen that happen a lot. I have seen that happen a lot. And that and that's good. You know, I had some advice years ago. Somebody said, never be scared to recruit somebody that that might be better than you in a certain area. And I still think that, you know, businesses don't always do that if they think somebody might be better. But why not? It makes makes the job in the end result easier, doesn't it? It does. And so those are the upsides of leadership. What, what, what have been the downsides in your experience? What, what, what are the things that haven't gone so well? There are very few, very few, thankfully. And for me, I think it's it's probably around loyalty, perhaps where you've worked with somebody. And, and it's not sometimes why people do it, because people leave and people move on. It's sometimes the way in which people do it. And I think they are sometimes the lows because because I care so much about what I do and I, and I genuinely care about the relationships that I build, I think they're probably, they're the times when you say that that's kind of a more of a low time, but it's all experience. Let's go back to the beginning. You were, you were born and brought up in Leicester, the city where you still live and you obviously love. I mean, you were the fifth of seven children, so I'm guessing there was a competitive element in there. Was there anything in your early life that you think contributed to your future achievements as an entrepreneur and a leader? Yeah, I think being one of seven children was was absolutely fantastic. We didn't have a lot of money, but, you know, back in the day, um, you know, we also didn't have things like mobile phones. We kind of weren't distracted. We we had to communicate. We had to talk to each other. And I think I don't think we were overly competitive because I think we were all good at different things. So what what happened there is we were all encouraged and, and it made us try things, whether it was you know, going on a bike or a skateboard or, or whatever, Irish dancing, Irish family. So I think it was that it was that communication skill. But being one of seven children, you had to have the loudest voice or the funniest story sometimes, <laughs> you, know, you know, to be heard. So I think there was a lesson learned there, Mike. Yes, I'm, I'm familiar with all that, yeah. When you were first appointed an MD, I, I, was, I was reading through some articles about you. When you first appointed MD of, of, of the recruitment company, originally, I think, you talked about suffering from imposter syndrome. So I think I know what that is, but how did you get over it? 30 years old, you know, this lovely car arrived in the in the car park at work and suddenly my salary had, had, had gone up significantly. And I remember my dad, God bless him at the time, saying to me, Jesus Christ, now, Biddy, things like this don't happen to people like us. That's an Irish accent, in case anybody doesn't know. Um, I, th- I think it's like anything. You start to do it. And I had, a, without realising that, I had a really good mentor, a guy. And I think he saw something in me and almost gave me such a, a long piece of rope that I could have done one of two things with it. And, you know, luckily, luckily it worked out for me. But I think it was that it was that belief that he had in me. There was that... I definitely didn't want to let him down or anybody else down and just loved it. You know, had a, again, a good a good sort of support of, of, of people that I, I recruited around me. So I think you kind of get over that because the success comes quite quickly with, you know, with the right people in place. I mean, when did you realise that he was a mentor to you? When did you realise that this was, or was it before or after you were appointed to the significant position? After. And so therefore, did you use him more readily then? <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think I realised it the most when I set up my own business, and then when I was looking at people in my business to think, what is it? Sometimes you see that something in somebody, don't you? And it's yeah. he obviously saw that in me, and I, and, I, and I told him. So I probably didn't ever use him as as a mentor as it is as it is today. He was a mentor to me, probably without realising. Now you spend a lot of your time advising and mentoring other women in business. Over the years, do you think it's become any easier for women to to achieve what you've achieved, big leadership roles? 
I think it has got easier. And I think that, you know, the world is demanding that almost now as well. But I also think genuinely that that men are very supportive of, of, of women in business. And, you know, the Enterprise and Women group that I co-chair, we have lots of male supporters. And I know that a lot of women get do do get that kind of mentoring from, from, from men and women. And uh, what we try to do is just help the younger generation to, to realise their, their potential and, and, and just go for it. So yes, I think I think it is getting easier for sure. Definitely easier than 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 you know. There's still a gap. There's still a way to go, but it is definitely getting easier. Mm. I mean, because you were you were given an MBE yes. two, three years ago for your promotion of women's entrepreneurship, um, and I think I think Prince Charles told you uh, everyone does their bit. If everybody does that bit, then it makes a big, huge difference. So how, how does that fit in with your leadership style? I mean, it was incredible meeting Prince Charles and it was incredible the amount that he'd read about me. So we talked about the female entrepreneurship, but also, you know, some of the the, the charity and community stuff that I'm involved in. And and that was really when he said that part. And and, and I guess to give you an example, I guess doing your bit, because people are busy, aren't they? People are busy in business. And if somebody else is organising something, it's easier for people to, to, to do that bit. And you know, a campaign that I set up a few years ago, um, Giving Blood. A friend of mine sadly passed away at a young age, and if people hadn't have given the blood they had, then she wouldn't have lived for as long as she did. So we start the campaign, we run it, and then people do their bit by going and giving blood. And then that's encouraged companies now to give people time off to go and give blood. So leadership comes in many forms. It's not just in your own business and financially, it's making a difference. I'm guessing it's slightly easy for you to do that kind of thing now because you're a very well-established business leader. You put yourself forward. How important is it for you to take on that physical role at the front, you know, putting your head above the parapet, as it were? I think it's important to do it, but I think what's also important is letting somebody else take the lead. People have done that for me in the past, and I think that that leadership is encouraging others to do it and get involved and maybe guiding them, but let them lead on, on, on the project. And sometimes they might not do it the way that you would do it, but but they do it differently and they'll they'll learn because we don't all do it the first time and we're experts at, at doing these things. So I think in terms of putting your head above the power pit, it's it's important to do that, but not for your not for my own self-promotion. It's more to make sure that that, that it's a success, you know, the, the things that you're involved in. But is that, is that something that comes with experience and perhaps with age? You don't feel the desperate need to sort of be the bell of the ball, as it were, to be to be um, very visible. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely the case for me. It's always been the case for me. Um, you know, the bell of the ball or, you know, maybe Cinderella when I know the clock strikes midnight and I know when to take my shoes off and go home. <laughs> <laughs> so following on from that. I've interviewed a lot of people on this on, the, on this podcast, very senior people, and a lot of them say they love the thrill of leadership. You know, being able to make things happen, to create, to build. Is is that something you recognise? Yeah, definitely. I I love that, and it hasn't it isn't always a big you know it hasn't got to be a big a big project. It can just be a moment in the office, a moment around the board table that you you kind of have an idea or or you reflect on something that you've perhaps done previously, and you just know it's the right it's the right thing. But it is it is the confidence. And I and I think for me, it's been having the success first. And then, like I said earlier, you know, it's then actually I, I can make that happen and I can make a difference to it. But, yeah, the, the, the thrill is exhilarating when, when you do something and you, you do it as, as a team or with a group of people. It's it's fantastic when you get that, you know, that great result at the end. 
you've achieved a lot. You know, you've set up your own successful company. You've won awards for your achievements. What do you What do you know What do you know now <laughs> that you wish you'd you wish you'd known when you started? Oh God, where do I start with that? Um, I think there's a couple of things. I think investing in myself more in in the early days. You know that the training, maybe recognizing what a mentor was and 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 the importance of of, of a mentor. I mean, do you, do you think people do invest enough time and energy in themselves? Because there is a there is a thing that that the that the the next generation of leaders are, are going to be are going to be a little bit more well balanced. They're less inclined to go out on a limb than than this generation. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think some of my generation people that I know that have set up businesses, they 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 do it they do it really well. They've perhaps got that expertise in that that product or or that service. But where we've had to improve is outsourcing because we're not good at everything. So it's from that young age, you know, you're not head of finance and head of marketing and, and the managing director and, and, and head of IT. But I think, you know, as business leaders, we, we, we tend to get too involved in, in the areas that aren't necessarily our expertise. So I think either, you know, recruiting those people in or outsourcing that skill set to the expert gives you that time and confidence to focus on on what it is that, that that you do well. And that takes time. And I think the younger generation coming through, so I'm a, an ambassador for Generation Next for the East Midlands Chamber, and that's that's aimed at 18 to 35-year-olds. And, you know, the significant difference there is it's, it's, it's the language they use. So they engage with people because they use certain terminology and they're, they're talking to their, you know, to their age group. Their confidence is is great, and I, and I and I love to see that. You know, they put together our online awards, and you know, we, we were as a board thinking, oh, not sure we can do some of that, and it was just brilliant. It just had a, a different theme. Um, it was brave some of the things they did, but it's that individuality. They all had a say, and they all had a part to play. And actually, you bring a group of people together like that, you know, fantastic things happen, and the results are are, are brilliant. You do, um, I believe, train senior executives for, for quite powerful positions now. What, what do you think marks people out as, as great potential leaders? Yeah, a number of things. I think knowing when to to let go is <laughs> is, is really. It sounds really simple, but actually, it's it's sometimes those things that keep you awake at night. And at, you know, in in the scheme of things, it's you don't need to be too involved in in that in that detail. And, and trusting people to, to to have that autonomy, but also you know the accountability that, that that goes with that. You know, we all know we need KPIs in business to 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 to, to measure and manage performance. But the old saying, people people buy from people, will will last forever. You know, but then it's it's your expert expertise as an individual that takes that relationship to a different level. If you get on, that's absolutely great, isn't it? Because it makes business fun and much more pleasurable. But People pay for a service or a product because they're relying on you to be the expert in that field. And finally, do you have one piece of advice for the young leaders of the future setting out on their hopefully post-pandemic career paths today? What would you say? I would say just believe in yourself and surround yourself with the right people, whether that's the mentor, people sharing your journey and just don't try to do it all yourself. Eileen, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you for the Business Leaders Podcast. From everyone at Nottingham Business School, thanks very much indeed. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me.
If you enjoyed this episode, then why not check out some of the others that are also available, including those with former banking executive Robin Fole, the Army's chief medic Peter Homer, and sports marketing guru Charlotte Cox. The Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast is produced for Nottingham Trent University by Celtic Tiger Productions. Your presenter was Mike Sassy, and your producer was John Collins.